Well, I've entitled this, uh, don't know what it is, it's not, I'm not sure it's a sermon, it's a talk on finding Jesus at the gates of hell, and it's Matthew 16, 13 to 19. Just uh, give you a minute to find that if you need it. Meeting Jesus or finding Jesus at the gates of hell, Matthew 16, verses 13 to 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Uh, They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, I'll read this last line, although I don't want to focus in on it. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. That's a sermon in itself, so we won't go there. So Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. It's in the north, and it's, uh, it, as you would expect, uh, after Caesar, named after Caesar. So it's a Roman pagan place. And there is a rock formation there called the Gates of Hell. It's a big opening in a rock. And the idea that the pagans or Romans had was that the gods of the underworld used to come up and populate the entire planet during spring and then go back down below, hence the gates of hell. So it's in this, what I would call a symbolically demonic, dark, pagan place, a desperate and needy place, that God reveals who he really is that he is Christ, the son of the living God. For me, this says something about where we actually find Jesus. We, contrary to Hillsong opinion, I don't believe we find him on the hilltop. Uh, I believe we find him in the, in the valley, at the gates of hell. Um, and I'll, where the brave dare not go. And prisons are, are an example of one of these needy places. Uh, about four years ago, I've been told by Prison Fellowship volunteers, there was a, they ran a prisoner's journey uh, at Carnet Protection Unit. So, and there was self-confessed uh, atheists, there was pedophiles, there was uh, people there for sex crime, there was people of other faiths. And at the end, they um, played a, a music song, something that said something like, uh, let's, uh, heaven's gates uh, fall, let, let your mercy, uh, yeah, let your mercy fall, something like that. Open heaven's gates, let mercy, mercy fall. And during that song, at that point, they all got down on bended knees and many of them were prostate, prostate, <laughs> prostrate. Uh, God, it's really important to get that right. I haven't, haven't said that before. Um, and many of them just lay down and with their hands up 
uh, accepted Jesus and, and his forgiveness. And I've been told that that uh, group of men uh, have led Bible studies and prayer sessions without the help of prison fellowship, just amongst uh, their, themselves. And they are still, some of them are still there pushing Christianity or what's, or not pushing, but um, uh, encouraging other people to come to prison fellowship. And it's a place you probably would never expect God to be, but there he was. The other thing that happens is Jesus asks, who do they say that I am? Peter replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Simon, I know who you are. I know your history. I know everything about you. I know your past. And I, I'm not going to define you by the worst thing that you've ever done. No one is ever defined by the worst thing that they've done. But I know your history and I want to put it into the Australian context and say, Australian Christians, I, God knows your past. He knows exactly who you are and what has happened. That you've been prisoners and convicts yourself and in many ways you're still young and insecure and you don't know who you are yet. You're still like an adolescent uh, who hasn't found your way in the, in the global world especially now with the pandemic, there's a tendency for you to uh, be afraid and to go to the shop and buy toilet rolls like that's, the, that's what you really need. Um, I know that, this, uh, that you're insecure and you tend to lash out and blame other people, whether it's asylum seekers or Aboriginal people or whoever it is. And uh, I know your history with Indigenous people and you haven't treated them well. Um, and we lock people up um, either met metaphorically or literally because we're scared and we don't know who we are. We, we're privileged, we're the lucky country and we're afraid that somebody's going to come and take uh, that away from us and we feel a little entitled. And to be honest, I'm not sure Christians are much different. We want our overseas holidays just like everyone else. We want... Our kids to be in the nice schools in the nice suburbs, just like everyone else. We want to re renovate our kitchens and bathrooms, just like everyone else. We're not salty anymore, and we need to be. We need to come back and be like salted beer nuts that make people thirsty for the real thing, that is Jesus. We need to be uh, different, qualitatively different, uh, because we need to grasp God's grace for ourselves and the fact that he loves us. Jesus goes on and says, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Everything we have is a gift. It's pure grace. And in many ways, um, we don't realise how amazingly privileged we are. We have our education. We have our food and, and drink. I've spent... <clears throat> 18 years working for TIA Australia. TIA works with the poorest of the poor and, uh, and it was during that time that I realised that how uh, blessed we are. E even the poorest person in Australia is in the top 10% of the world's richest people. And there's the, the, we're the richest generation that has ever lived. You know, <clears throat> a, a century ago they used to lock up your, your, your tea uh, because it was so precious that it came from ship from Nepal and from India. Now what's a cup of tea worth? It's, it's nothing. So we are incredibly privileged and uh, it's all gift. 
And I think God's telling us, freely, freely you have received God's gift of grace, uh, uh, freely give it. And then he goes on and he says, but I tell you, Peter, that you are, you, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bound on earth, bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I think he'd, he'd want to say, Australian Christians, uh, I want to tell you that from now on you are like little rocks. That's, the, that's what Peter means. And I want you to find your identity on, on me, the biggest rock. I am the Uluru. Uh, and I don't, think it's, um, I don't think it's any coincidence that Uluru is a huge rock smack bang in the middle of Australia. I, don't, I think it's uh, there for a reason for us to acknowledge that God is, um, that we can stand our identity, we can fuse our identities in, uh, in God. I am who I am. I've always been, I will always be. I am one solid mass of identity. And if you are feeling insecure, if you're feeling afraid, if you don't know who you are, if you're feeling young and, and, and afraid, rest in me fuse your identity to me because I love you in actual fact I died for you and I don't know anybody else that would do that but the God of the universe loves you so much that he's died for you and you need to establish your identity in me once you do that you'll be able to treat your friend your neighbors and your your friends and the your enemies and with those outside your sphere of influence, with grace and compassion, with security, with boldness. I went to Kings Canyon. I don't know if you've been up north and you've travelled to the um, Uluru and uh, uh, all of that pl those places. But I went to Kings Canyon and I could not believe this particular day how amazingly beautiful Australia is in the outbank. The reds were really red. The white gums were really white. The green was really green. The sky was really blue. It's like someone got their colour television and, and just cranked up the volume on the colour. It's just incredibly bold and stark and beautiful. And I felt like God was saying, I want Australian Christians to be like that. I want them to be bold and stark and secure in me and to be able to stay to the rest of the world because I think we have a we are in a quite a unique position we're uh, a little bit separated from geographically from the rest of the world just a little bit more perhaps objective uh, where we can stand up and say what are you doing fighting we need to be a compassionate people what are you doing being afraid we have a God who loves us who knows us, who cares for us, who's got our, uh, the whole world in his, in his hands. And I saw this prophetic vision of uh, a sort of a Christian uh, crocodile dundee that was boyish and, uh, uh, you know, that could actually be like that. I thought that's what God wants us to be. A little bit uh, shooting from the hip, you know, it calls a spade a shovel. <laughs> And a group of people that are willing to go to the gates of hell to love the least, the lost and the last in my name. And once that happens, 
I believe that if you read Isaiah 58, this is the context, that you will be like a well-watered garden in a sun-scorched land. Then you will call and I will answer. If you go to the darkest, hardest, toughest places, I will give you the keys to, the, to break hell's gates and to set prisoners free and to break down prison walls so that desperate people can be released from bondage. And they won't prevail against you. They'll turn to dust. If you're willing to grasp by grace for yourselves and send it out to other people. <clears throat> it's my firm belief that if you do that, that in the process you'll be transformed. I have a friend called Jude. And Jude went through university with me. Jude was Indonesian and he said, Steve, I've got to find myself, got to quit uh, my you know, uni, and I've got to try and find myself. I said, Jude, I'm fascinated as to whether there is actually a self waiting to be discovered. Would you be willing to uh, go and, if you find yourself, come back and tell me that you've found yourself? He said, I will. So he went, he quit, and uh, he went to Indonesia to find his roots, and he came back within a year. I said, how did you go? Did you find yourself? And he said, Steve, I discovered that I am an onion. I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, I uh, peeled away my, my... See, my mum wanted me to become Jude the son. I peeled away and stay at home, look after her. My dad wanted me to become Jude the student, the academic, who gets lots of degrees, so I peeled that away. My friends wanted me to become Jude the party-goer that has fun and takes drugs and stuff. I tried to peel away that. Steve, I discovered that I was nothing more than the sum total of my skin's I am an onion. I said, what does that mean? And he said, Steve, the self, I believe, <clears throat> is not something waiting to be discovered. The self is something waiting to be created. And you create it by getting committed to something beyond yourself, something bigger than yourself. He said, Steve, I found God and I've, I wanted to become a youth worker on the streets of Perth, working with street kids and at-risk youth. He said, Steve, I, I love it. I have never felt more alive in my life. <clears throat> and Jesus' words ring true. If you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospel, you will find it. And I believe that because I've been through the depths and I've been... There's no kids here, is there? I've been uh, searching for uh, uh, lightning storms because I thought... My life is worthless, I am worthless, I should just kill myself. But I couldn't because I was a chaplain at a high school and I had kids and I thought that would be selfish. Now I'm tormented. I want to kill myself but I can't. I'm caught, I'm a prisoner. And uh, I, so I thought maybe if God killed me then that would be a lot better. And I went to search for electrical storms that God would take me out. So I've been there and you may have been down in the depths and you might think, I, Steve, this is all very well, but I just need to find out if God loves me. God loves you. He died for you. What more do you want? You, we just need to put our faith into action and get out there and have a go. And in the process, God will transform you. God will do an amazing work within you as you go. I believe that to my core. I might be wrong. Have a go. See, I believe that faith requires action. 
C.T. Studd, a Christian uh, missionary and English cricketer, you can look him up, he said this, and I love it. He said, some choose to live near cathedral and sound of bell. I choose to set up a rescue mission a yard from hell. <laughs> Very good. In my experience, when I talk with... Um, I've got a friend called Wayne. He's, the, uh, he's a chaplain, prison chaplain. He's become a uh, prison fellowship volunteer and then became a prison chaplain. And he says, Steve... Um, when I went to prison, felt called, when I went to prison, the interesting thing was that God was doing stuff uh, without me. I just had to just be there. And then I realised he was at work and he did something within me and he's changing me and transforming me. It's more of a blessing to go, uh, you know, I say, thanks, Wayne, I really appreciate your help. No, no, the privilege is all mine. I'm really blessed to be a part of this, he says. And here's one other quote, and I'll begin to land in a minute. Uh, this is by the Archbishop of Canterbury. He said, Jesus, this is powerful. Jesus wasn't crucified on a cross in between two candles in a cathedral, but on a cross in between two thieves. And uh, it was a town, um, in a place where cynics taught smut and soldiers gambled for his clothes. Uh, it was a place that was so cosmopolitan, the inscription above his head had to be written in several different languages. Uh, and that's where church people ought to be, and that's where church people, what, what church people ought to be about. Um, so, in light of all of this, what is God calling you to do? How can we adjust our lives to create a maximum impact, particularly for the least, the last and the lost? I believe uh, the last thing. I think Mother Teresa had something that was incredibly powerful because uh, she actually did what Jesus asked us to do. She put the first last and the last first. And people say, yeah, 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 but you know, you've got to spend time with people uh, who are your friends, who are your neighbours, who like you, who are most close to becoming Christians. I, I don't think that's right. Jesus went, left the 99 and he go chased went and chased the one. I know it's counterintuitive. I know it doesn't make any sense. But if you do, uh, Mother Teresa's name lives on after all that she'd done. It's so radical and different and distinct. People think you're nuts. <laughs> you know, and I have a friend who works with us at, uh, as a volunteer and she says, uh, Steve, uh, when I tell my friends what I do, they think I'm insane but they're intrigued and they want to ask, what happened this week in prison? And uh, so I think there's something in that, that if we want to be a, a true light for Jesus, we've got to be, do what Jesus asks us to do. And that means putting the last first. And once you do that, you can begin to turn the world upside down. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this life. You've given us um, so much and you've given us life. And uh, I look at young people and I, I'm a bit envious because they've got so much time. I mean, I've got, you know, I'm half dead, but, uh, but they've got so much time. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to figure out what to do with our time, with our money, with our resources uh, before we die so that we can uh, hear from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. And we can uh, hang up, when we hang up our running shoes at the end of our race, we can say, uh, 
Lord, I, I did what I could. I, I, I tried my best um, for you and for, for your good news to bring your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would inspire us and energise us to do that till we drop. In Jesus' name, amen.